Many people who've tried to face their fear of flying find that the harder they try to control it, the worse it gets. Anxiety expert and clinical psychologist Dr. David Carbonell has helped thousands of people overcome fears of all kinds. Today, he's sharing some helpful information for anyone who wants to conquer the fear of flying. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A.com. Today we're sharing an excerpt from the audiobook, The Fear of Flying Workbook. This audiobook teaches how to work constructively with your brain. It leads listeners step-by-step with proven techniques that finally make it possible to overcome their fear of flying. In this episode, Dr. Carbonell talks about the two types of feared outcomes that fearful flyers have. He also discusses why working with fear is the key to overcoming the fear of flying. What do you fear about flying? Think back to a time when you were on board an airplane waiting for takeoff and you felt very afraid. Pretend I could have spoken to you at that moment and that you were willing to talk briefly with me. Let's suppose I asked you, What do you fear will happen to you on this flight? How would you have answered me at that moment? Don't tell me what you think now. Tell me what you feared then, in the moments before takeoff. Don't try to dress up your fear to make it seem more realistic or reasonable. No one else has to see your answer if you don't want them to. Just state, simply and concretely, what you feared was going to happen to you when you flew on that airplane, regardless of how realistic or unrealistic, that fear seems to you right now. People are often a little vague in their first answers. They often say things like doom and losing control and being trapped. So be as specific as you can. If you feared doom, what form did you think that doom would take, and what would it do to you? If you feared losing control, what out-of-control things did you think you might do? If you feared being trapped... What did you fear would happen to you in that trap? Take a moment, pause if you need to, and write it down. Two types of feared outcomes. The previous question is the first one I ask fearful flyers. They typically answer with one of two very different feared outcomes. The type 1 feared outcome is about the plane crashing and killing the passengers. In my experience, about one-third of fearful flyers report this feared outcome. They're not afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing, at least as they first report it. They often go on to explain that they're less afraid of death itself than they are of the fear and stress they imagine they would experience while the plane is about to crash. They think about that a lot, repeatedly imagining what they think it would be like. They even think about how unfair it would be, how irritated they would become if they went through all the trouble to overcome their fears just to die in a plane crash and never even get an apology from all the friends and family who mock their fears. P. 
People who fear crashing spend a lot of time anticipating a doomed flight and feeling afraid as they experience the anticipation. They are literally afraid of feeling afraid. Most members of the public who are not afraid of flying tend to believe that crashing is what all fearful flyers fear. It usually doesn't occur to them that the fear could be anything other than crashing and dying. However, this is not the fear of the majority of fearful flyers. Again, only about one-third of the participants in my workshop have reported this type 1 feared outcome over the years, and this is roughly the percentage reported by past studies of fear of flying. The type 2 feared outcome is quite different and doesn't have anything to do with airplane safety. People with this fear worry that they will become so afraid during the flight that they'll suffer some terrible consequence as a result of their fear. They think of the airplane not as a vehicle that will rapidly take them to their destination, but as some kind of trap from which escape is impossible. They're afraid of how they imagine the confinement in the airplane will affect them. This kind of fear is very similar to claustrophobia, a fear of being confined in a small space without means of escape. A person with claustrophobia might become very afraid, for instance, if they have to get an MRI scan done on some part of their body. This generally requires that they lie down in a dark closed tube. There isn't anything in the MRI that'll hurt them, and all they have to do is lie there in the same posture they would use to sleep. However, if they have claustrophobia, they might find it very difficult to agree to this test because they expect to feel very afraid in there. If you ask a claustrophobic person what they fear will happen to them in the MRI tube, they'll probably have a hard time answering that question, maybe saying that they just can't stand it and hate and fear their confinement. If you ask more questions, you might discover that this person experiences thoughts and images of losing control, yelling, crying, trying to force their way out of the tube, and so on. More discussion might reveal that they also fear and dread the shame and humiliation they expect to experience in response to acting this way. Some people who experience claustrophobia have fearful thoughts of becoming so afraid that they will lose their mind and never get it back. This is very similar to the type 2 feared outcome. Again, people with this fear aren't afraid of flying or crashing. They have a different dual fear. They expect to feel nervous and afraid because they think of the airplane as a trap. They think of themselves as trapped on the airplane for however long the flight lasts without the ability to leave. And they're afraid that the nervousness and fear they experience in this trapped circumstance will overwhelm and overpower them, either causing them physical harm or leading them to act in ways that bring terrible consequences. Some worry that they will suffer a heart attack, stroke, or some other physical calamity in response to feeling so afraid. They worry that they will literally be scared to death. Others worry that they will become so afraid as to lose control of themselves and charge the cockpit, or try to open a door or break a window, or start crying and screaming uncontrollably, or loudly demanding to be allowed off the plane immediately. People with this type of fear usually imagine it ending with the crew and passengers overpowering them, restraining them with handcuffs, duct tape, uh, ropes, or whatever else may be available, and returning to the airport to turn them over to the authorities, all of which gets broadcast on the local news for all their family and friends and neighbors to see. Either way, they fear that they will never be themselves again, even if they survive. 
Just like people with type 1 fear, they too are literally afraid of feeling afraid. The fact that most people who don't fear flying assume that the fear is all about crashing makes it harder for people with type 2 fears because it means that it will be harder for others to understand them. I see this happen all the time with fearful flyers when we board the airplane for our flight and I mention to the flight attendant who's greeting the passengers that we're a fearful flyers class. They're always very supportive and encouraging, but they frequently assume that our group is all afraid of crashing. They point out how good the pilot is and promise that the flight will be very safe. This doesn't at all reassure people with type 2 fears because they're not really worried about airline safety and it often leaves them feeling more awkward about what they do fear. Pre-existing fears While the great majority of fearful flyers identify either crashing or losing control of themselves as their fear, people can bring other pre-existing fears on board with them. Someone who fears heights often has a hard time on airplanes. Someone with obsessive fears about food, who is suspicious of food prepared by others, is likely to be worried about having an adequate supply of safe food, especially on international flights. Someone with a fear of using public bathrooms is probably going to experience that fear on board the plane. People who fear nausea and vomiting are likely to worry about becoming sick on the plane. People who fear strangers or not being sufficiently close to a hospital in case of an emergency or being too far from home will similarly experience those fears on board the plane. What makes it possible to have so many different fears on board an airplane? It's because the fear doesn't reside in the airplane itself. The fear resides in our reaction to the airplane. This is why some people will sleep or do crossword puzzles, while others will have a panic attack. They're all in the same plane having different reactions. It's the fear, not the flying, that matters. While the details of the fears will vary, the same approach used in this audiobook to overcome the fear of fear can be applied to these other types of fears as well. Working with your fear Now that you've considered what you fear, I have another question to ask you. Why do you want to fly even though you are so afraid of flying? Consider this question, pause if you need to, and write down your answer. When I ask fearful flyers this question, they usually cite the advantages of flying, pointing out, for instance, that flying from Chicago to the West Coast will save them several days of driving, giving them more time to enjoy their vacation with their family. They'll point out that there are many parts of the world that are so distant that it's hardly practical to go by ship. Cruises to Europe, for instance, can take seven days or more, while many flights take that many hours. They'll sometimes answer by referencing the pressures they feel from their family to travel. They explain that a spouse is really tired of the limits this imposes on their vacations or that their extended family is planning a big trip abroad. Sometimes they explain that their children will soon be old enough to ask for a trip to Disneyland, and they don't know how to answer that request. They often express the desire that their children grow up without becoming afraid of flying. Others point to the need to travel for their jobs and careers. Sometimes a promotion or a new job requires air travel. Some people are just dissatisfied with the limits this fear imposes on their lives and are unwilling or unable to accept it. 
But when you think about these reasons, there's something funny about them. If you don't want to fly because you figure it'll kill you or end up with you in jail, why would you want to make that trip in the first place? Is it really worth saving a few days of driving when the price is death or prison, insanity or disgrace? When I ask people about this, they usually explain that they still want to fly because they know the fear is exaggerated, irrational or illogical. They want to fly not because they're willing to give up their life, freedom or sanity so they can save a few days of driving. They want to fly despite these fears because they recognize that their fears are unrealistic in the extreme. That's why they want their children to grow up without this fear, because it doesn't help you lead a safer or better life. It limits your freedom, but doesn't make you more safe or give you any advantages in return. That makes sense. I've worked with thousands of people who wanted to overcome fears of all kinds, yet no one has ever come to me because they wanted to overcome a fear of jumping into the lion cage at the zoo. That would be dangerous. People generally only want to overcome fears, like the fear of flying, when they recognize that the fear doesn't really protect them from danger. They want to overcome fears that restrict their freedom without providing any increased safety. Nobody wants to overcome fears that serve a useful purpose. So, the people who come to me for help with fear of flying recognize that they have a fear that's irrational or unrealistic or excessive or whatever other adjective they use to describe it. They have a fear of fear rather than of danger. The fear is the problem, not the flying. That's why they want to be able to fly again. And if you've listened this far into this audiobook on how to overcome the fear of flying, this is probably your motivation as well. Working with the fear of fear is the key to overcoming the fear of flying. It's true that some fearful flyers get so unhappy with the pressure they feel from others to overcome this fear that they get defensive about it and will actually argue with others to justify their fears. Maybe you've occasionally found yourself in that uncomfortable position. But that's more a response to the aggravation of being pressured by others than it is a judgment about flying. If you have this fear and also want to overcome it, it's probably because you recognize that the risk is overstated. The very fact that you want to overcome the fear of flying, the fact that you want to fly anyway, tells us something important about the fear and points to the way out of this phobia. We'll take a closer look at this in the next chapter. Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Fear of Flying Workbook. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer, if you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate it and review it. And please share it with friends who might also enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks, available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.